50. All right. I would say 30 minutes later, I'm finally fully recovered from that Buffalo wing cheese that really took me out in the 12:25 break. Not well planned. No. Is it the first time Shut you've had on it? Provolone. Provolone is the least risky cheese out there. Ooh. More we so than mozzarella. <laughs> Maybe we should save this <laughs> this conversation for later because okay, yeah, we, okay. we could go back let's, and forth all day. Let's not. No, let's, let's, let's least, table that. It's it's uh, it's August seventh. I'm perfectly willing to have a <laughs> what's the least risky cheese debate with you. Um, but we do have Kevin Ostriker from Locked On Ravens on the Western Hotline, unless he's hung up from the last twenty seconds. Um, Kevin, Jody Biasi, Corey Griswold here on WGR in Buffalo. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, guys. No, cheese is important. Don't get me wrong. But also, <laughs> I'm excited for some football, too. Don't get me wrong. Definitely. You can follow him on Twitter at KOSTRIKER34, O-E-S-T-R-E-I-C-H-E-R, if you're looking for him on social media. Host and producer of the Locked On Ravens podcast, as well as the managing editor for the Ravens Wire. Also, Kevin, uh, just were you a former contributor for... Uh, then the Denver Nuggets for Nug Love, or are you Nuggets fan? Because I think I've been one since I was six, so I didn't realize we had that in common. Yeah, yeah. So both actually. Um, I've been a Nuggets fan since I was seven, so we got yeah. we got that in common. How how did that happen? Because me, it's just like complete coincidence. Like I liked Carmelo Anthony coming out of college, and then <laughs> when he got traded, I just decided to stick with the team instead of the player. I guess. Yeah, so for me, it's funny enough, when I, when I was seven, I decided one day that I wanted a favorite basketball team, and I went really based off of name, to be honest, and I thought, oh, that's a cool name. I want to, I want to root <laughs> for this team. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, I like Carmelo Anthony. You know, he, you know growing up, and in, 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 he was a Maryland guy for him, so I, I stuck with him once, once Melo was traded, and look, now, now Jokic is there, and they have a really good yes. team. So I'm, I'm excited I stayed but I, I'm hoping for more success in the future for them. Me too, but you're definitely right. Jokic like re, I mean, reignited it uh, for me when he yeah. got there and got became what he became. Um, all right, well, Kevin, like I thought this was a good time to bring you on here. I know the Ravens have been interesting to us really off season, all offseason, but the last couple of weeks we've been wondering about these contract extensions for the 2018 draft class, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, maybe to a little bit of a lesser extent, Baker Mayfield. Um, but we get the Allen extension yesterday, $43 million per year. And I guess my leadoff to you would be, does a Jackson contract feel imminent in Baltimore? And in re- what in relation will it look like, you think, to the Allen deal? Less, more, or maybe about the same? Yeah, it, the, the deal feels kind of imminent. You know, I don't really want to put a timeline on it, but I know most people have kind of thought, all right, it's kind of going to come sooner rather than later. It makes sense. And honestly, I thought that Jackson was going to be the first one to sign out of the draft class. No, I'm not shocked Allen was. And honestly, you know, the fact that Allen set the market, I don't think has a huge impact on Jackson's deal. But at the same time, I think that the deals will look kind of similar with a few things that might be different. Now, obviously, there's not a ton that's known about this extension for Jackson. Things could come out and they could be completely different. But for me, I think the average annual value, you know, Allen gets $43 million per year mm-hmm. when you split it up that way. I think it'll be around the same thing. Now, many have made arguments that Jackson might get a little more because, you know, Allen, phenomenal 2020 season, the good 2019 as well, kind of struggled a bit through 2018, whereas Jackson has kind of had that consistent success for the most part. But honestly, I could see it being around the same. Maybe Allen's contract pushes Jackson from 
a 40-41 average annual to 42-43-44, maybe 45. But there, there's something different. I think Allen got that six-year deal. For me, mm-hmm. I think Jackson might get four or five, but in return get more guaranteed money, or at least the percentage of the total deal get you know a bit more guaranteed money there. Allen's deal, you know, 150 million guaranteed out of 258 for the reports, and, and that I think you know 58.1% is a pretty good chunk of change there in terms of percentages. But I think Jackson maybe in this you know not confirmed or anything, but I think yep. it could be he gets a four-year deal or a five-year deal, but. Kevin, you still there? Oh, we might have lost him. We'll reconnect with Kevin Ostriker. Felt like he was starting to wrap that point anyway. Um, but interesting that he thinks it'll come in about the same. I think that's probably the sentiment uh, by most that Jackson's deal will be more similar to Allen's than Baker Mayfield's will because Mayfield has not put the same level of well, they're not the same level of high level play that certainly Jackson and Allen have having MVP level seasons where, of course, Mayfield would be a little bit different um, because he's just kind of been kind of just hovering around below them the whole time. Uh, Kevin Ostriker rejoins us here on the Western Hotline. Um, Kevin, I, I kind of want to jump back into what you were just talking about, but I'm wondering, is there satisfaction with Jackson's play? Or maybe the better question is, is there satisfaction with the offense in Baltimore? Because we saw it up close and personal here in, yes, a bad weather game, very windy day here in Buffalo in the divisional round, but three points on the board. And my wonder with Jackson has always been, can he thrive in a higher volume passing offense with better wide receivers around him? And that's not necessarily his fault, right? That just kind of feels like the way Baltimore's wanted to use him. So do you feel like he's being used the right way? And is there an argument that, well, we'd want to see him in a higher volume passing offense before giving him this monster extension? Yeah, I I think he's proven a lot so far. Obviously, there's a lot that he still has to work on. I think nobody's perfect. But Jackson in particular, with these new weapons, he he hasn't really had a ton of people to throw to over his first couple of seasons. So I think that in this offense this year, I think Greg Roman is evolving it. I think that with Rashad Bateman, Sammy Watkins in there, they're, they're going to do good things throwing the football. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to all of a sudden throw the ball 50 times. But I think Baltimore's completely confident in Jackson to run their offense for the next however many years that extension's going to be, whether it's four, whether it's five, and then you know revisit, reset the market. And at the end of the day, whether he does reset it, whether he doesn't, it, it doesn't really matter because he's still going to get, I think, a ton of money, you know, over $40 million per year. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Ostriker here on the Wester Hotline from Locked On Ravens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Um, what are expectations like in Baltimore? Does it feel like I'm, playoffs, obviously, they're above and beyond just making it, I would think, as being a success. Is it really like you got to top Kansas City for this to be a success? Because, I mean, that's two years in a row where the Ravens, they have the best point differential in the league since Jackson took over two years ago. But the playoff success has not really followed suit. So is it pretty much just waiting for the postseason with Baltimore? I think I think in a way, I think the Ravens do have to have regular season success, but obviously the playoff success is what's more important. For me, I think a lot of people are, are labeling this year as a Super Bowl or bust year for the Ravens. I obviously feel like the Super Bowl is important. I mean, every team does, but I don't think it's that this year. I think this year I just want to see improvement. So what that would mean is AFC championship or bust for me. And obviously a Super Bowl would be great, 
and winning a title. That, that's their ultimate goal. They've been talking about it all offseason. Lamar Jackson has been talking about it since the second he got to Baltimore. But I think with the improvement, obviously the, you lose the Buffalo, you're the Ravens in that divisional round game. But it showed improvement because the Ravens were able to beat Tennessee in the wild card game. So they showed growth. Lamar Jackson gets his first, first playoff win. And I think that's the most important part. You know, I, I don't want to rush anything and label this, all right, if they don't win a Super Bowl this season, they have to blow the whole thing up because it's not successful. Lamar Jackson's 24 years old. I think that he still has plenty of football, plenty yeah. of good football left in front of him. The Ravens' defense has a lot of young stars on it as well. So I, I'm not ready to say this is a Super Bowl or bust year for the Ravens, but it is important they continue to grow and show that this team can win a Super Bowl within probably the next couple of years, the way it's constructed with just a few more pieces added and a couple things changed here and there. So if they, I, I'm confident they can make it to the Super Bowl. They can win it as well. But mm-hmm. if they don't, I'm not ready to blow everything up. You mentioned earlier about the struggles at wide receiver, like Allen or Jackson just having almost nobody to throw the football to um, in the past couple of years, other than Mark Andrews, really a tight end uh, consistently. What have they done to add around the infrastructure around Jackson? I know they tried, it seemed, to sign Juju Smith-Schuster, some other big-name wide receivers that were on the market, and they fell short there. But our old friend Sammy Watkins, I mean, at least just from reading, sounds like he's lighting it up at training camp, plus they used the pick on Rashad Bateman. So, I don't know, it seems like hopes would be higher uh, for who Jackson's throwing the football to this year. Yes, people are excited about what the Ravens did at wide receiver. You mentioned Watkins, you mentioned Bateman. Those are the two that I think can really take this team over the top. And, yes, the Ravens did try to sign Juju Smith-Schuster. They also tried T.Y. Hilton as well. Both decided to return to their former team, so Pittsburgh and Indianapolis. But I think Watkins is really what this team needed. He has already bought into Baltimore's culture, which I think is important because, to be completely honest, not Baltimore's offense is not for everybody, and that's okay. John Harbaugh said he's not going to – He's not going to force anyone. He's not going to beg anyone to come to Baltimore and play in that offense because, you know, you have to be selfless. And I think some players, they value targets and catches, and that's fine. You know, I'm, I'm not bashing anybody for doing that. Everybody has, you know, their own goals. But for me in particular, Watkins is someone who is versatile. He can play both on the outside and in the slot. And the Ravens needed those outside guys. They really had a bunch of slot guys last year. They were playing on the outside. Marquise Brown, who I think is better in the slot, can still play outside. But they were playing him outside a lot, and I think now with Bateman and Watkins in the fold, they'll be able to use their guys in a bunch of different ways that will help open up the offense even more. And Bateman, you know, a lot of people had him going to you know, in, in that 21, 22, 23 range. He fell to Baltimore, and I think it was the best pick that they could have made based off the positional value. He is a crazy good route runner. He doesn't have, like, you know, elite speed or anything, but he can beat you deep. And he's shown so far he's beaten Marlon Humphrey a couple times, and it's, it's made fans excited. So that mm-hmm. paired with Marquise Brown and paired with Mark Andrews, they're expecting the running back to be a bit more of a threat in the pass-catching game. So they're expecting big things in this passing offense. And, again, I don't think it means they're going to all of a sudden be an air raid offense, but it right. does mean that they can complement the run game with a good passing offense as well which Lamar Jackson has shown the ability to throw that football. Now, can he improve and continue to ascend? I think he can, and with the receivers that are on the roster now, I think they're well-built to really put on a show through the air this season. Let's talk about the AFC North a little bit here. I think a lot of the offseason, it's felt like it's been building towards a two-horse race between Baltimore and Cleveland. But I don't know, do you feel like the criticism of Pittsburgh – has gone too far because I would, I personally would consider them to be a step below Cleveland and Baltimore going into the year. But I don't know. Now I'm seeing people project them to go like seven and ten or six and eleven, 
And I know Roethlisberger might be shot, but, like, Kevin, I don't know. Like, the defense is still elite, and they're still Pittsburgh. Like, I I don't think they'll win the division, but would it be stunning if they were in the race, I guess is my question? I don't think it would be, and I agree. I think you put it perfectly. For me, it's, they're a step below, but that doesn't mean all of a sudden they're going to come out and go 0-17. Now it's 17 games, 0-17. Yes. <laughs> I don't think that you know Pittsburgh is going to fall off this huge cliff, but I think there will be a drop-off. And they lost a couple of, of starters on defense, which will impact them, but Dupree being the biggest. So they, they'll need guys to step up, whether that's Alex Highsmith, Melvin Ingram. But I agree. I think it is is a two-team race in the AFC right now between Baltimore and Cleveland. I think there's a big four in the AFC, and that's Baltimore, Cleveland, Kansas City, and Buffalo. No order there, but Mm -hmm. still, I I do think with this AFC North, it's going to be a division that's going to be a tough one for a long time. I think Cincinnati's not there quite yet, but in a couple years, they will be. But this year in particular, I think the Ravens and the Browns both did a great job of addressing their needs in the offseason. Baltimore, as we saw in that Buffalo game, really struggled on the offensive line. Buffalo was getting a lot of pressure and forcing Jackson out of the pocket, forcing him to get rid of the football. The big play right before the pick six was Tyree Phillips, the right tackle, and J.K. Dobbins both whiffed the block, and Jackson and Marquise Brown wide open. He missed them. The next play is that is that swing play. So the yeah. Ravens go out there. They adjust their offensive line. And Cleveland, they struggled in the secondary. They go out. They sign John Johnson. They get Troy Hill. So – both teams, I think, are going to be, I think, two of the best in football. In that Week 14 game, Cleveland-Baltimore, where Lamar Jackson gets the cramps, comes back, leads Baltimore to a victory. One of the best games of 2020, in my opinion. So I'm excited to see the divisional battle. I think it's going to be extremely, extremely close. But whoever loses the division, maybe it's by a game, maybe it's by a tiebreaker, that, that doesn't mean they're bad. Even they right. make a wild card. I don't think that means they're bad at all. So right now I have Baltimore winning by – literally conference tiebreaker i think both teams finish at 13 and 4 but it's going to be super close i think yeah the only the team we didn't mention by the way in the division the Bengals. i mean they're kind of a part of this group to me kevin that you have three teams in the afc at least three that have really promising maybe elitely talented young quarterbacks justin herbert in la trevor lawrence in jacksonville joe burrow in cincinnati but to one degree versus another I don't know, it seems like everyone would doubt that the organizations can build around those quarterbacks. And I think Cincinnati would fall into that, right? Like, Because I think Burrow is supremely talented. They're at least not ready this year. And, I don't know, something about the Bengals just never gives me confidence that they, like, maybe they'll never you know, get it, get it together around him, right? Yeah, there's, always, there's always a bit of risk when I think, uh, well, Cincinnati, it was almost like the opposite of what Baltimore and Cleveland did, in my opinion. They did a bit, but the offensive line was a huge concern for them, and they didn't really do a lot to improve it. They signed Riley Reef, They drafted a couple of people, Jackson Carmen, in there, but they didn't really make that huge signing or draft that you know super elite prospect. They had Panay Sewell out there for them, and they decided to go with Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is extremely talented, extremely talented, but – with Burrow, you know, the report's coming out saying, oh, he's struggling through training camp. He's not looking great. I, I'm, I'm not buying too much stock into those, first of all. But I think the defense is really what concerns me a bit because Cincinnati, they lost William Jackson. They lost Carl Lawson, two great football players. They add a couple pieces, Trey Hendrickson. I think Logan Wilson's in for a big second season. But the, the, the Bengals right now, they have the, the pieces. But I think that I agree they're not – quite there yet it'll probably be a couple of seasons bro's gonna probably have to get a bit more comfortable in that offense behind that Mm -hmm. offensive line before 
they really make some noise, and, and the Bengals are going to have to finish putting pieces around him where he can succeed. And if they don't do that, it could be it could be trouble because with any team, you have to put the pieces around your quarterback to succeed. We saw Buffalo go out there and get Stephon Diggs. You know, the Cardinals go out there and get DeAndre Hopkins. So moves like that help quarterbacks ascend, and, and they do it on their own too. You know, it's not just one player comes in and makes a quarterback. But I think Cincinnati has the potential, but we'll see where they get over these next couple of seasons. Kevin Ostriker. Follow him on Twitter, at Kevin Ostriker 34 on Twitter. Uh, Kevin, thanks again for joining me, man. I know the Bills and Ravens don't play this regular season, but they're both going to be in the playoffs, so maybe we'll talk again come playoff time. 